0: everybody it's Keith Sarlos from Sorrows and Sons and we meet so many amazing people that uh, just walk through the front door of the tasting room and they become you know, acquaintances then they become friends and then one day they become family and I feel so blessed that these great people come through our front door all the time that I thought it'd be a travesty not to sit down and talk to a couple people so this is a new little segment called finish the bottle and uh, in it I'm going to interview my buddy, Greg Postma, and Greg Postma is an amazing guy, talented artist, a creator, Um, and also happens to be about the third person hired at South Park Studios. He helped my son out a ton and uh, is just a completely great guy. So this is part one of two um, little pieces to it. So in the future, if you want to be on this podcast, if you want to sit down and just talk and, and, you know let me hear about who you are what you do and your life so we can share it with the world send me an email it's super easy keith k-e-i-t-h at sarlos sons.com so uh let's roll number one greg Postma, keith sarlos finish the bottle let's hang out have a good day
1: Sick. it's crazy oh, the awesome. flow, it's probably not it's probably like ancient technology so That's I had it, a, this.
0: Is super rad. This is great. You
1: sound good. You have you you have a good microphone, or
0: I have a regular microphone. All right. It's it's pretty okay. It's pretty okay. But you sound pretty good. You sound awesome.
1: Okay. Uh, hopefully the music's not too loud in the background.
0: No, it's awesome. Have we it? already started recording, so this we're already doing it.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So, um, <laughs> not waste any time, shall we?
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It's like. I've, you're you're the first little like interview, you know. I've like interviewed tons of people at lunch and stuff, but I've never like sat down and said, "This is an interesting person." I don't know a ton about you, uh, you know. We've been friends for a while. You've helped out my son, you know, on his project that he got an A on, which felt pretty good.
1: Oh, he did, he did. But
0: it's like, oh yeah, and it was like every time you come in the tasting room and we sit around the back table and hang out, it's always fun, right? Yes, absolutely. and. So I just wanted to record one of these things and, you know, if it's good, we'll just share it with the world. And if it sucks, we'll probably share it with the world too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So number one, I got to ask you a couple of things. Okay. So, um, here's, here's your moment, right? So this is your two minutes. This is your humble brag. You're allowed to say anything about yourself unabashedly and say who you are. So, who are you? Who
1: am I? Uh, well, I don't know how 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 obvious do we want to be.
0: No, go all the way. This uh, is like this is like if you had to write a bio and nobody was going to give you any crap about whatever you wrote, what would you write? Oh, geez.
1: Well, I don't know if I could put it in bio format.
0: No, no, no. Just say it. I say whatever you think
1: want that way. Um, Well, okay. My name's Greg, Greg Postman. Uh, I am 40, what am I? 46 years old. Uh, I've been working in the animation industry for over 20 years. I originally wanted to get into become a filmmaker like Steven Spielberg. Um, but that didn't, that didn't work out. Um, I guess I wasn't that ambitious (laughs) as I thought I was. (laughs) Um, I grew up in several different places over my life. I was born in Pasadena and grew up in Altadena, Orange County, down in Mission Viejo, and then moved to Long Beach to go to college. And I lived in Long Beach ever since. I lived in England for a year when I was eight years old. Um, yeah, and uh, I pretty much, I'm, you know, I love, Fantasy. I love sci-fi. I love family. I love my kids, my wife. I love to travel. Um, I don't know. Um,
0: that's a- yeah, that was perfect. You hit it out of the park. All right. So, so let me ask you a couple of questions, just so I know a few of these answers. But every time I've hung out with you, um, even before, you know, not that what you do is who you are, but always an interesting guy. I always have really great people around you every time you've come in and we've got to like, just hang out and talk. Um, but when I found out like, not, not only are you an artist, um, you know, you sent me that little post-it note of the guy on the motorcycle, which I still have in my office. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was super rad. But one of my favorite parts when I started following you on Instagram was just seeing all this original art that you were kind of putting out. Right. And, you know, for people who make things, I, I think I'm, I'm generally drawn to people who are not just creative, but people who make their thing. Um, you know, you push out a lot of stuff. And I wanted to hear kind of more about what you started. I mean, you were talking about, you know, going to to Long Beach and becoming a filmmaker. But what in your life did you have that kind of put you on the path to not only being an artist, but pursuing artistic endeavors, because I'll preface this. And, and one of the things I do with a lot of these things, like when I talk to people is I play it for my kids in the car. Mm-hmm. and you have been a huge influence on my son just by taking, you know, a little bit of time for him. He got to ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, being a cartoonist and an animator and an artist. And now when people ask him what he wants to be, when he grows up, he says cartoonists like immediately and goes to his room and draws all the time, because that was one of the things you said to him, um, you know, draw, draw, draw. That's, that's how you get better at stuff. So, what what pushed you down this path um, to making a life creating? Um, well, I probably landed squarely on the shoulders of my
1: mom. My mom hmm. was a very creative person. She she made dolls. She made toys. She painted. She sculpted. She sewed. She did all sorts of like things that, that require your hands and your mind and putting that together she was a very very creative person i it, it's weird because on my mom's side of the family there's a very there's a very strange there up until i'd say me and my brother there was a strange disconnect between art and what you could do with it it was kind of like my mom did it and she did it at home and she loved doing it my grandfather did it uh, my uncles drew and were artists and did their own respect but none of them saw it as a future none of them saw it as a possibility and maybe because they were immigrants coming from indonesia coming from holland it they didn't see the, the value in it in that way you know they saw it as like something you do to pass the time
0: um, totally that, but that's also i think that's that is a very um, immig- like Dutch immigrant thing as being a product of family that are Dutch immigrants. Right. There's like, there's your work. And then if you do some sort of art, that's more of a, uh, a pastime or a pleasure, but that's not real work. Right. It's like a hobby or something. Yeah. It's there. It's like, you make money doing that. It's like, Oh, yeah. they, they would rather milk a cow than paint or, you know, paint. Yeah. And then my- and I never really got
1: that. No, I, when my when my mom came to America, I think she, I want to say it was like 1957 or something like that. Um, cool. Easily, I mean, her abilities. She easily could have been at that time. She could have worked at Disney. She could have worked at you know. Oh, that's right. I mean, I think she had that that skill level. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> confidence, not that the confidence to go out and do something like that was beyond her. Uh, I think, you know? Uh, so anyways, um, my mom was like the one that if I was bored, me and my brother were bored, she'd shove a pencil and a paper in front of us. And she's the one who kind of came up with all these like drawing games and these drawing things and, and not the coloring book type of thing. You know, I've always been sort of on the fence with coloring books because there's too many lines that you got to stick to. You know, it's too restrictive. It's too conformist. <laughs> so, uh, Right, so you would just be like, "Well, just come up with a game," you know. So I remember when Star Wars came out, we came up with these um, these, these games where we draw X Tie, tie fighters and X wings on on one side of the paper, and, and then you use your pencil to to flick a line down the paper, you know, to to make a laser shot between one side.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You do a <laughs> dot on one side and you fold it, you know. So there was all these things that we were sort of creatively, sort of experimenting with, and it was all mostly because of my mom, my dad. Well, he's an engineer, and he's all path, He's all practicality. He's all like, you know, he, he didn't have the. As far as I know, he didn't have a creative bone in his body. So, um, I could pretty much lay, lay it right on my mom. You know,
0: that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, my brother's
1: so you know, he's he actually he, he went to art center and he worked at video games for a while. Uh, did a little bit of pre-production in films. He was working. He worked with me at South Park for almost twenty years, and then he quit to just try some other things. He's an American Dad right now.
0: Oh, is he really? Yeah. That's awesome. So, so he knows uh, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. So Jeff Fisher makes uh, habit wine. Oh. So Fisher, he's uh, he's the girl, the the daughter's boyfriend. Oh, on that oh, show. He's the voice. He's the voice of that right, guy.
1: Right. I've never... I've only seen maybe one or two episodes of American Dad. There's a little bit of uh, rivalry going on with Seth MacFarlane and South Park people that it's hard to cross that bridge sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't ask anything more than that. I have about like 30 questions There's to ask, minutes. but we'll let it pass. Okay. So, Mom's teaching you. Um, you, you wanted to go make films because you know, my guess is, uh, like I love movies. I've got a, a pretty robust collection, but what was, what was the thing that took you from, okay, I like to draw. You're going through school, you know, like every other kid in America, but you said, Oh, you know what? Instead of being a teacher, a lawyer, a blah, blah, blah. You said, I, I, I like making movies. I want to go to school for this. So are you, were you the kid that was shooting out back with your parents, you know, camcorder that was, it was like three pieces and weighed 80 pounds. Like what, what pushed you into yeah,
1: that? Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, well, there was a movie theater when I, I grew up in El Toro for a while, um, throughout grade school and, and high school. And there was a movie theater, mm-hmm. not that far down the street that me and a friend of mine, uh, would go to almost every other day after school. It was like really cheap to go there. It wasn't like a dollar or something. So we'd see lots of movies and I was always into movies. So I was always into like, you know, uh, my parents had, um, we didn't have cable, but we had on select. you remember that? You remember on TV?
0: Yeah, totally. I totally so remember. We that. had
1: on select and they never, they never took the key, the, the little security
0: key. I totally remember. Dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Think about our yeah. kids now actually realizing that you could physically lock something like a bar cabinet. That's a cool to about, bar- about
1: our kids. I mean, my kids are a little bit older, but like my oldest is 17. And he's got Netflix on his laptop. He's got all this stuff. And, you know, I can see what he watches. At his age, it's, I don't know, it just cracks me up. Like, you know, we were busy wiring one TV to another with a coaxial cable trying to get scrambled, unscrambled like cable. You're like, oh, look, there's a boob. You know, you see a a waving (laughs) line and a baby. You know, they have access to all this stuff and they don't have any need. They don't care about that stuff. It seems like, I mean. I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like that's like their their imperative like it was mine back when I was like fourteen, thirteen, fourteen years old. Uh, anyways,
0: okay. so to just to put a wait, 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 just to put a pin in that, right? Because um, one of the things like me and Jaime talk about a lot is you know growing up analog and now being a digital right. adult. You know, you grew up riding your bike uh, places from, you know, you rode your bike to watch a movie, right. And then somebody was up there in there, in there, uh, doing reel to reel. You were behind, uh, your TV running coax, you know, but now digitally we're, we're looking at anything on demand, whatever we want. And there's still nothing. But do you think that that little piece of inventiveness of like trying to figure something out and if it worked you felt like a billion dollars having a collection of stuff was important to you um not only now but like you look back on it you could look back on it with fondness but do you think having that stuff and having gone through all of those little bits and pieces of actually having to ride your bike to that movie theater Was part of the process for you, or was it just something you had to do?
1: Well, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but it wasn't until I'd say it wasn't until I started working at South Park, maybe, that I started to realize that there was this like that we all had this because I met Trey and Matt and met all these other people that I started working with, and we all had this very similar upbringing and not just sort of this middle class upbringing but but like what you were saying about having to motivate yourself to go to do these things your parents didn't do anything for you in that regard they, right. put a roof your head. they fed right. you they they made sure that you didn't fall off a moral compass but for the most part they didn't care what you did during the day and as long as you were back home by dinner time, they didn't even ask uh,
0: right you're here you're here there's the right food. exactly
1: and then but so when i started meeting people in college it was kind of different but once i started working at south park all these things that my dad thought were nonsense, like watching Godzilla movies all day long or watching you know, uh, right. Three Stooges and stuff on the weekends, my dad saw no value in that stuff. But then all of a sudden, all these things started coming to me, was, and remembering all these, these 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 analog things, or all these old cartoons, or all these old stories that I remember, and I collected in my brain, where some people collect mm-hmm. football stats or totally. you know sports stats, I collected quotes from movies and plots from stories and in twilight zone episodes and you know a lot of trivial shit but it really helped out my career i'd say immensely you know what i mean because i was able to connect with trey matt on a way that other people that didn't have that background but were still somewhat in the same place they Mm -hmm. could not connect with like when trey comes in he's like okay do you remember that one episode of blah 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 um i want to do something like that and me and my brother, who had the same ring in, and Adrian, the guy that the, the the guy that hired me, who I actually grew up with mm-hmm. around high school. who we went to high school with my brother. Um, we all were like, "Oh yeah, we totally know what that is." And then some of the younger people, or some of the other people in the office, are like, "I don't, I don't know what that. What is that? You know?" And you had to explain it to him. Right. So it was it was it was weird, a weird sort of confluence of like it's just sort of like we all were bred to do the same thing. You know, it's, it's very strange. Right. It's, it's my, there's no way I could have predicted this would have happened. Um, and that's the thing with like our kids today is like, I don't know, like, I think that stuff was essential for me and maybe people of my generation, but I don't know if it's essential for them see, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, but it is weird because they don't have that. They have such this sort of Jetsons mentality of like, if I can't get it now, and if I can't get it like, you know, when I want it, I guess I just don't really want it and I don't need to worry about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So I I, I I was just tracking with you so hard. The I was just thinking like when we first met or a lot of the friendships that I have usually come off of something where somebody drops, you know, a deep cut on some stupid line that was in, you know, Voltron and all of a sudden you jump in and all of a sudden you look at each other and you're like, did we just become best oh, friends? Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you get that connection yeah. and you're like, Oh, we're off and running. You it know what cuts, I mean? So it's,
1: it's, it totally cuts through all that shit that when you, I mean, that's the hardest thing when you should get older is meeting people that you really want to spend time with or talk to. And, and it, occasionally it happens by happenstance and, and some of those things, you know, even though it's, it's sort of on a superficial level, it's still kind of like, okay, like I think we have some, a a parallel background and then you kind of get to the, the meatier stuff a little bit later, you know, but it's a good way to kind of understand somebody real quick.
0: Just like, you know, exactly. I think you're right. I mean, one of the things like I always joke about is that Instagram has removed the first 15 to 20 minutes of conversation from any of your friends like you don't see somebody for a month and then you run into them. You don't say, Oh, what's new. And you know, have that back and forth. You already know what's going on in their life because when you were, you know, sitting in traffic, you were thumbing through your Instagram feed and you're like, Oh, I totally know what you're up to and what you've been doing. So you, you don't even have to. Oh, talk right. Well, that.
1: when you were and in I, New York, you know, like when you. Recently, yeah. That, oh yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. this is so cool because I, I can send them this playlist. It doesn't we don't have to get into this huge sort of diatribe of like what it all means, but it was just like hey, hey, you're in New York, here. You know? And it was like I I made this, check it out. It was such a cool, it was such a cool way to kind of I don't know, kind of connect without having to fully connect, you know what I mean?
0: But but again, you know, I think when you when you saw I was in New York and you, you go, hey, here's the Spotify playlist that me and my buddy made when – so what was – who went to New York and you guys kind of co-made right. it,
1: right? Well, me and my friend Song, who you met, yeah. like anytime we've, – yeah. we've gone on trips together with our couples, me and my wife and him and his wife, and we've done these things like where well, we come to, to Los Olivos or we've gone to – uh, Palm Springs or something like that. And every time we go and do something, where we're going to be there for a few days. We, we always make a playlist. We love music. We love going to concerts. Still. We still, I mean, it's always been part of our friendship, me and Sean's. That's how we sort of connected from high school.
0: That's right. And
1: so, and we've always been sort of prided ourselves on our, um, mm-hmm. sort of a non generic taste, I guess, in music with certain things. So anyways, right. um, when we went to New York last year, last spring, we were going to be gone for, we were there for like four days. So we're like, Hey, let's make a really cool playlist, you know? So we did. And then when you went, I was like, Oh, I got to get my playlist, you know?
0: Okay. So now I I don't know if I told you the story, but when I went to New York, my wife was there, she was seeing like one of her best friends. I haven't been to New York in like 13 years. And I literally said to them, I'm going to go do everything and I'll see you later. And when I left their place and kind of walked down, uh, you know, I wouldn't saw the 9-11 oh. memorial. And then, you know, I got a I got a hit up from somebody on Instagram said, Oh, dude, go find a city bike. And I went, Okay. So I saw them all over. I grabbed a city bike. I think that's about the time that you said, Oh, check out this Spotify playlist. And I spent literally the next three days walking 12 miles, biking like 15 miles a day, listening to this playlist as I was kind of blasting around New York. And it was absolutely awesome. I mean, it it felt in a word, it was special because it was like, I didn't, I didn't sit there and put together that playlist like you guys did. You curated it and I got just kind of got to dip my toe in and listen to it. It was so rad. Yeah, it's.
1: Yeah, I love doing that, and I'm, I'm making one right now, because we're, we're going to Europe this summer, and so I'm making a, a London playlist, and I have, it's huge right now, because obviously there's so much good British music, it's pretty hard to get around it, and then, so we're going to go to, we're going to England, France, and Holland, and Germany.
0: Oh, the yeah. motherland. Yeah, all my, all my awesome. dad, my
1: dad and his family are all there in Holland, so, uh I haven't seen them. Me and Julian, my oldest, we went when he was like 11 or 12 because my grandmother was getting ill. So we went for like 10 days back then, but I haven't been since then. So it's been like six years or something like that.
0: So you referenced what you do a couple of times, uh, at South park. Tell me, tell me the South park story. Cause right now there's going to be a bunch of people listening that have never met you. Um, I think, you know, South Park has been a show that has been, you know, I'll go on my little rant for a second. Um, when I was in college, uh, my buddy Brandon showed up with the tape, like right before Christmas break. And he said, you got to see this. And ran in, uh, popped it in a VCR, basically banged on every single door of everybody around pop this thing in, hit play. And it was the, uh, Christmas episode previous to show previous to anything. Basically the, the mixtape, the analog, um, um, the, the George Clooney one. So we all watched it together. Um, and just was like, what is this? It kind of, and, and that happens few and far between, you know, in your life, but we saw it and we're like, everybody's blown away. Everybody's already quoting it. Like, I can't believe my eyes, you know, this is actually at a small Christian college, which made it even better. Um, So that became part of like, like the first time I saw the Simpsons on the Tracy Ullman show where you're talking about this pop, like pop culture. That was like, I, all of a sudden it was like sitting there right in front of me. Um, There was a method, you know, kind of this whole, uh, mythic thing about what this is and who did it and what the story was, right? Um, and but now South Park, along with like The Daily Show, along with you know, it, it gets pretty thin. It's so hard, so topical, so fast. Um, you know, I watched you in in that that documentary. What it was oh, six yeah. days to air?
1: Sleeping in the um,
0: yeah. which. <laughs> Yeah. Which is, if anybody hasn't seen it, you know, seek that out, which you could talk about yourself. Um, but one of the things when I remember seeing it go, this is something, you know, I don't know what it is, but this is something and I want to see more of it. Right. So give me the story of working 20 years at, at a place that has been kind of the pop culture, you know, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory from the outside. Um, that has been pushing stuff into boxes for the last 20 years. I mean, how did number one, how did you get there? And you know, well, tell I'm me, gonna, I'll out.
1: backtrack a little bit because I, I was, I was the previous, and take your time, high school yeah, and how I got into film and all that stuff. So, anyways, so you remember uh, the last time we were at your tasting room, um, Clint, who works on SpongeBob. So, yeah, 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 I was in an English class in high school. And a friend of mine brought in a videotape of a project that he was doing. And it was sort of like he, you know, we were able to do a video instead of like an essay on, on a book or something like that. But he did this vampire project. And I was so impressed by it. I was like, that's really cool. That's what I want to do. I want to make these films, you know. So I had my friend Todd introduce me to Clint, um, who works on SpongeBob. And I was like, I got to meet this guy, you know, I think I want to do what he's doing and I want to do it together, you know. So I met him, we became friends pretty quick and we just started making all these VHS, you know, short films, like horror films, fantasy films, chase films, all sorts of stuff, you know, just whatever we can do on our free time. We were making videos like all the time.
0: And how uh, old are you?
1: Right now? 16? Oh, yeah
0: okay unreal Oh bad. okay so we and what are you making it making it on are you just recording in the backyard are you we were, what,
1: well, what we're are recording you on his cam, his vhs camcorder and it was all like in camera edits and stuff like that because we had no like non-linear editing machine or anything like that so you'd have to stop it pause it run it back start it again you know do that whole thing so we were doing like we would just go out because out in mission viejo like back then there was a lot of hills and you know, a lot of empty land and stuff in the hillside. So we go out there and we do like Indiana Jones type videos and, and, you know, put like a more modern take on it, I guess. Um, or we, you know, when I think we did a couple of, we get a couple of horror films. Like when we started like experimenting with blood squibs and, and like using like firecrackers and explosives and putting them on our chest and blowing our t-shirts open and with blood and all this stuff. and, and, I had the Zenith VCR that you could run backwards at the same speed as forward and it didn't have any tracking involved in it. So we were able to kind of do all this cool like reverse action. And so anyways, long story short.
0: So, so the bottom line is this, you guys were straight out yeah. nerding out yeah. in the forest, making stuff for yourself right. and stoked yeah, just, on
1: it. We were having a great okay, time. So awesome. well, at the at, graduation we were like, you know, we ended up going to Saddleback city college, but we were like, Hey, let's, We all want to go to film school. You know, so it was me, Clint and a couple other, well, one other friend. And we were like, where do we go? You know, we want to go to USC, UCLA. We didn't have the grades for USC or UCLA. We didn't have money for USC. So we ended up going to Cal State, Long Beach. And it's within like, probably like the second year or so, like Clint, Clint was, um, he was at a party at a Nickelodeon party and he was drawing, he's always drawn his whole life too. Um, and so he started cartooning on some napkin and and a woman came up and was like, Oh, you know, you drew that. And he's like, yeah, she's like, you should try out for our animated, you know, our animated uh, stuff, you know? So he tested for, I think it was Hey Arnold or I forgot what it was. So anyways, he got, he got hired in, in animation. So I was like, wow, that's, I didn't know that was even possible. I thought you had to, art school and all this
0: stuff okay yeah. so he got hired because of what i got yelled at exactly. for doing in high school and i we okay i think i think there's an awesome we lesson him, there, we were in so the so same know. english Perfect.
1: class our senior, and we got pulled out by mr agopian and because we were we what we used to do is we we, we drew this cartoon where we do one panel i'd give it to him he'd give me a panel i would give it back and we didn't know where the hell this thing was going. And it gets, just got more demented and worse as it got along. But he saw, he saw it and he <laughs> pulled us out of the class and he's like, what, you, what is with you guys? You guys are drawing all the time. Like, you know, do you, what you what do you want to go become animators or something? And we're like, yeah, probably. I think so. You know, but he was just like dumbfounded because he couldn't, he couldn't find a way to reel us in that he, he actually even tailored his, um, Every morning he'd have a quote, and we had to write an essay on this quote—a like quote from Shakespeare or a quote from, uh, you know, some some other literary giant—and and he's like, "You you guys draw a picture to depict this quote," which was actually harder than cool. writing an essay on the quote because some of it is like, I'm not really sure I know what he means by this quote. So, anyways, fast forward. Um,
0: but, but that's super rad. You had it. Yeah, it was that cool. Did I, I
1: didn't think of it at the time as being rad. I don't know why, but now that I look at it, it's like that was pretty cool because he a, tried to understand a way to teach us in a, in, in a way that wasn't just demeaning us for
0: you know not going with the program. Oh, see, I, I had that same teacher, uh, Missus Smith, in uh, excuse me, Missus Slager. uh, she, uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. There you go. Valley Christian, right? Um, she pulled me, well, I, I failed every, uh, spelling test I've ever had in my life, like straight F's yeah. Cause I can't spell. And she pulled me aside and said, Hey, I want you to take my elective. If you take my elective, you never have to take another spelling test. And I go, what, a, I don't care whatever it is, oh. I'll do it. And she brought, I took her calligraphy uh, class and it, and she wrote words are beautiful on the board. And I remember sitting there and seeing that and she would read to us while we kind of like copied whatever she wrote it with calligraphy. And number one, I learned that I could uh, I was an auditory learner from her because I could just sit there and draw and listen. And I would get an A on the test, but she was also the person that put a pen in my hand. And said, you know, fonts are really pretty. And this is before computers and everything else. But now that I sit here behind, you know, a desk and design labels and t shirts and whatever we're doing, I keep thinking back to that woman and going, man, I'm so glad she did that. It's, it's weird that, you know, you never realize that stuff until no, 20 no, years later. Like,
1: right? even, even like I said, when I, I lived in England for a year and it took me, it took me years to realize how important that was. It took me a long time. At first I was like, Oh, it's cool. It's neat. But it wasn't until I was like a teenager that I was like, you realize that there's a whole other world out there that that you're not this little town, even though the town I was in wasn't that little, but you, you don't get caught up in all the kind of stuff that people get caught up in small towns where they don't realize that, you know, none of this really means much. You have a whole future ahead of you, you know? So yeah, it's weird how like a lot of times it doesn't dawn on you until twenty years or thirty years. Um, so anyway, so what?
0: Okay, I didn't mean to. No. I didn't mean to block you up, but I, that's such a, that's such an interesting point. That I think everybody has those things happen in their life, and we we never really realize it until you know. I heard a great, you know, everything that's ever happened to you has are that is preparing you for the thing you right. want to do has already happened to you. So bizarre, well, no, but keep fine. going. Uh, now. I so
1: anyway, so after college, I was doing all these movie-type jobs, PA stuff, working on productions and TV shows and things like that. Um, and then I got a call from Adrian, uh, who was a friend of a friend of my brother's. He was a friend of my brother's. He was a friend of mine, um, but it started out as a friend of a friend from high school, and he knew, you know, he was looking for, he, he met Trey and Matt while working on some other project. Trey and Matt were working on Orgasmo upstairs and he'd run into them in the hallway. And they asked him if he wanted to do storyboards for them for South Park. Cause they're like, Oh, we got the show we're working on. And you know, and they, they gave him the tape and all that substance. So this, is, this is already after the tape was pretty well circulated. And, He was like, no, I got this other stuff. He wasn't even interested in doing cartoons. And eventually the place that he was working at wasn't working out. So they asked him again. He said, yeah. And then, so he was at that time, this is I think 2016, no, not 2000, 1996. He was doing all that stuff kind of by himself. And he was like, he was getting overwhelmed with all the amount of work that he had to do. So he called me. Uh, what, used was he was doing storyboards, he was doing design work and stuff for the show. But so this is like before, like, this is like pre-production of the of the series.
0: And I by the way, the who was giving stuff. them money to make Orgasma?
1: Uh, I, I have a, I'm not totally sure, but I think some of it was given by uh, trauma people. Um, I heard rumors that maybe it was like, mob people. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Who's money. <laughs> um, but it was when I started okay. working there, they were just finishing the editing on our So I never really, I wasn't comfortable enough knowing them well enough to talk too much about it. Totally. Um, Cause I was so like, I was, I was pretty intimidated by them when I started working there because they were on a similar trajectory in the sense of coming out of film school and making films. And, they were just so smart and so clever and just so more put together than I was about it. You know, they were, they were, uh, they were pretty formidable even in the beginning. And, and
0: So they were kind of, they were the guy that was showing up, uh, for the first day of, you know, spring training, fresh off the bench and they were just dropping bombs over the, over the outfield fence. Yeah, kind again. of. It was kind
1: of like that, but it was sort of like at the same time, it was, they, they were in their own little bubble too. So, I don't know how they were perceived by people outside of them too much. I mean, I know one of the things they did in the beginning that they were asked to do was a um, sort of like a promo video for universal studios. Like, um, you know, I guess they would send out to investors or send out to tourists or I'm not really sure who, but so it was like this kind of their take on a fifties version of, you know, like, Hey, welcome to the studio kind of thing. And it, was over again. it had all a bunch of these, like, you know, pretty big names. And they were intimidated by that when they started doing it, you know. And it, mm-hmm. I remember, I think, I think I remember Trey telling me that they went on Jurassic Park when it, the ride, when it opened with Steven. And no way. Yeah, and, and, it, and I don't, I want to say that they said that Steven wasn't too happy about the final outcome of all. It was <laughs> 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 what I remember. And, um, Okay. Okay.
0: So, so okay. So 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 when did you get the call to the big leagues? Like when, when did this happen?
1: I got a call like in this was like May in ninety seven, April or May, and Adrian called me and he was like, "Hey, you know, I'm working on the show and we we have a few episodes ordered. We don't really and I had no clue how animation worked or anything like that."
0: And where are you working right now? What are you doing? Are you working at Thirty One Flavors? No, yeah, I was
1: working. I was working at this place called Rogers and Cowan in L.A. And it was it was weird. Like my career was kind of in this weird place where I was trying to get production jobs, but then I was living with my girlfriend, my wife, and you know it was kind of like I gotta grow up, get a job, do this, you know. So I found this place that was hiring a, an office manager up in L.A. at Century City, and it was a, um, like they, they represent actors and, and movie
0: filmmakers and writers yeah, okay. they are a representational firm. They're like, really. so you stayed in the industry that you, you hope to be in, but you were, you were interviewing for an office yeah, job. Yeah, So
1: I had this office job, I already had it. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll meet some people. I thought this, this is how I got to do this. I'll have like, I'll write a screenplay and I'll hand it to them and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I've worked there for a few months and Oh, young Greg. So, <laughs> I, uh, I got the call from Adrian and they wanted to hire me sort of like a trial kind of thing. So I worked two jobs uh, at that moment for about a month. I worked at Rogers and Cowan from like eight in the morning till six at night. And then I worked at South Park from six 30 till one in the morning.
0: And nothing was airing. This is all pre-air. Yeah. We aired it. And so are you still doing stuff by hand?
1: No, at this point it was all on computer. The only stuff they did by hand was half of the, half of the pilot was done by hand was done like, like the short, like the Christmas short.
0: Uh, And so let's, let's talk about that for people who don't know. One of the things that like blew my mind was like watching it, it. It wasn't drawn. But it wasn't. It also wasn't the like land of Mitzvit toys, where it was like kind of like that crappy claymation. No. And a buddy of mine goes, "Dude, that's that's construction paper." And I'm like, "No way." Yeah. And the answer to that is, yes, it was construction. Yeah, and that paper. was the thing
1: that they they wanted to maintain that from the pilot. They wanted to, but it took too long. It took them about a month. No, not a month. It took them a couple of months to do half of the, the pilot. And Trey and Matt, like even from the beginning when I met them, they—they're basically like how any of us were senior year, the—the the night before a, an essay was due. You know, you're—you're you're, you're not going to mull it over for weeks. You're just going to bang it out the last minute. So they don't—they don't like sitting yeah. on things. They don't like, you know, you don't like chewing gum for too long and you let it get stale. Um, they. You know, even back then, they they wanted the immediacy, not so much to be political or to be anything, but just because they had other things that they wanted to do. Um, so they 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 figured out a way. Well, they didn't figure out a way, but their their computer tech guys figured out a way to do all this in Maya and sort of to replicate a similar look using uh, shadow layers and textures and stuff like that. So they would they would be able to. Um, kind of replicate a similar um, idea. So they, they did the second half of the pilot all that way. And it's, it's relatively seamless. You can tell, but I'd say most people probably wouldn't notice because they're just laughing and having a good
0: time. They're to go Totally. The message is more important than right, the media. exactly. So um, when okay. I came in, which I think is a testament to South park in general, I mean, the fact that now it just looks like South park and that's like a thing, but it's still, if you look at it, it's not, you know, the greatest, quote, no, no, unquote, no. most beautiful. It's no. not a, a Mirazaki. You know, it's 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 definitely in the, these are the jokes and this is how we're going well, to tell. Well, and I
1: think it. to me, it's in, in a way that, that I'd like to think the way that Monty Python and the Flying Circus of just in that same sort of mode where the budgets are really low. Right. And the acting yep. was, you know, clearly, you know, acting. And you don't have a Beatle giving you money. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, not until they started doing the
0: movies. They actually,
1: I don't mm-hmm. can you believe those movies right. were produced by Beatles and Led Zeppelin.
0: Which is makes oh. them even even better. So, by the way, the fact that you and I both <laughs> I know. know that and we like that. That's, <laughs> oh, I love that's, that. That's, I just showed you my ner- – like I rolled down my lip. I'm like, oh, you're a Wakandan. Well, nice. Okay, great. <laughs> okay go of, sorry oh, i keep my, interjecting in the story and you're telling a great story i'm sorry Python, like
1: i think south park exists and that you, you can almost make it a radio show it, it the the, Donald, the jokes totally and the voices and stuff to me are, are probably 90 percent of the joy then the visuals are uh, you know are good too but it's yeah you're right we're not miyazaki we're not uh you know pixar disney you know i don't think people are watching the show to watch you know top-notch animation um, and that's, that's, that's part of the, the love of it. You know, it's, I, I, I actually, I mean, the way the show looks now to me is almost too slick compared to what it used to. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. reminisce and like, think of like, oh man, I loved it when we could like, when we could knock out these backgrounds in like a half hour <laughs> and they just kind of look like, oh. it kind of mm-hmm. added to the, the, the look, I think a little bit more now. It's sort of like we're in this sort of valley of, does this look good or does it look still look pretty crappy? I don't know.
0: But, you know, I I think it was the same person that, like, grew up reading, you know, the calendar section of the L.A. Times so they could fold it to the back and read the comics page, you know, from top to bottom. It's the same person that was, you know, they didn't really give a crap about how any of those things were, you know, drawn. They didn't even really make them laugh, but they read them every single day. And when South Park came out, it was just like, oh, that's come to life. And oh, my gosh, can you believe what they said? You know? that combination was yeah, I mean, you know, magic. Yeah. So keep going, That's keep going on your story. That,
1: that Trey will like, you know, they, they call it the water cooler moment. That's one of those things that, that they always were hoping to kind of have at least a few of those in every episode was these topics and not so much to be like a, um, you know, to be sort of controversial, but just to have that moment where people are like, Oh my God, can you believe that they actually brought that up? Can you actually believe that they talked about this? You know, And and they were always looking for that. So anyways, in the beginning, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was this sort of amorphous kind of strange thing where we didn't know how long we were going to be on. We didn't know how many episodes we were going to make. We didn't know when it was going to end or or if it was going to end. And we just kind of kept rolling along. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this is a thing. Like our first year ratings were really, really good. And they made millions of dollars off of merchandising and, we couldn't even believe it. It was just sort of like, not that we didn't think it was good, but we were just, you know, you, you, you never think that. Because back then, the only thing that was even remotely close to us as far as, like, controversy or, or, or you know, was Beavis and Butthead. That was the only other thing that people were like, you know, wow, I can't believe they got that on TV. You know, Simpsons was at that point was still funny, but it was, you know, a little bit more tame. You know, was there they've already kind of
0: reached their sort of mode
1: of what what they can do.
0: But let's put this in perspective. So you're working, you know, two jobs. You're also, you know, working at South Park at night, um, you're you're there pre production. Um, you put out your first thing and, and just to put a stamp in it for everyone, this is the same era as you're kinda like near the tail end
1: of Beavis and Buddy, I believe.
0: But they were but still, yeah, that was, that was
1: television. on television. Brandon Stimpy had already been okay. gone at that point. Um there was nothing.
0: Oh, uh, that's a right. that's a whole other but there was nothing else oh for us gosh. to kind of
1: compare with. It was sort of like I, I guess if, if if you know if people were looking at it as a negative, they would be like, Oh my god, we went from Beavis and Butthead to this. It was sort of like the de evolution of, of comedy, even though you know what I mean, like like there was just right. nothing else.
0: But I only bring that up because when I when I think of Beavis and Butthead now, I'll say it differently. I know a few people that are around me that are creators that I really really respect. And one of the things that I find so interesting is when you when you trace back their um, beginnings, w- what they started off with and what was on television helped get that show made, right? Because there was an era of this, this, and this, which made people maybe, um, you know, the, the the viral aspect of the tape getting circulated, you know, helped get this show made. But I just I just wanted to think about like what that longevity of what you guys have been doing for, you know, 20 plus years now and how your show still feels not just like you were saying, it looks better than it ever has. Maybe too good or whatever. But the fact that the hits still keep coming, yeah. you know, that people still talk about, like, oh, my gosh, did you see last week? That That's an amazing yeah. testament. Because I don't, I don't really hear that much. Maybe I probably aged out of it with The Simpsons. But my kids grew up in an era where The Simpsons has not only always been on, but they have the feeling of that they will always continuously yeah, yeah. be on. Right? Mm-hmm. But you guys are pumping this stuff out every six days, which absolutely yeah, blows I, my I mind. I
1: guess we're like, we're like the bad religion of like. I
0: think. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, maybe better. Maybe the no well, effects, effects, but been no effects. around since like 1982 you know, or
1: one. Or two. Yeah. But it's just, Unreal. yeah, it's true. Like maybe their albums of the last 15 years haven't been as great, but but by meeting,
0: the like, hits.
1: yeah, we're we're <laughs> still we're still trying to give the middle finger. You know, we're still trying to say fuck you and and, and trying to be sort of punk rock about it. We, we, everything's still done in house. Everything is done, you know, at, at their sort of pace, like the studio, Cartoon Network or uh, Comedy Central. They have no, not that they don't want to say, but I mean, they're they're they've let they've left it all to. You know, trade mats, devices, and stuff.
0: So, just to rewind a little bit more, just so you can you can kind of finish your arc. So, you're working two jobs. You're doing this. This is 1998, oh, 1999, 97. 97, 90. Okay, 96, 97. And what what was your job? What did what were I you was hired, hired to, do to do?
1: Storyboards, character design props back, I mean, anything that basically was the visual component of the show as far as like,
0: and so were you just like completely over your head at this point or was it just so new and so everybody was ground for and just it trying was, to figure out? It was this sort out. of
1: like, uh, you know, hopefully
0: okay. it, was, it was, it was perfect
1: for me because I didn't have the artistic skill level that, you know, some of these guys that we have coming into work now and have gone through. Yeah, yeah but I mean, they had four watching years of you. art school, too, so their foundation is, like, way stronger than mine was. Mine was, like, you know, it's, like, kind of bringing, like, a graffiti artist in animation and saying, like, here, like, so stay on model or whatever, you know, it's <laughs> just like, oh, I don't you know, I'm, always, I'm used to drawing whatever I want to draw, <laughs> you know, so I learned out, and, and I think also just the totally. nature of the show itself, it's so simple. You know, I, when, when, when when I got hired full-time, the Adrian handed Trey my portfolio, and he looked at it. He's like, "Okay, all right." He's like, "But can he draw a circle within a circle?" And he's like, uh, "Yeah, I think so." And he's like, "Well, can he draw a circle within a circle within a circle?" You know, this is like so. It was really like he's fine. Like, this guy's got he can figure it out. There's there like, oh, I don't know. He didn't go to Cal Arts or Art Center. Like they have no reverence for for. I'd say for animation, they have reverence for animation, but they have their, there's no sacred cows for them in a lot of ways. They don't, they don't look at animation as this pure kind of thing. They'll fuck with it. Tweak it do whatever they want to fit their, their, you know, their humor.
0: Um, so up to this point, you're making, you're interested in films. You're making stuff in the hills of, uh, mission Viejo with your buddy, you know, firecrackers, everything else. You want to go to art. You want to make yeah, films. I to be you want to like, kind of go know, in that, under that direction.
1: Spielberg or at the time, I and it was just getting big. Right. I, I really love to do films.
0: But now you have friends who are doing things that are interested in the same thing that you're doing, which kind of like, oh, I can get you a job over here because this is where I'm working and we're buddies. And uh, yeah, here, let me. You know, right place, right time. And yeah, basically. Right yeah, I mean, right? I think that was another
1: thing. That Adrian, Adrian knew my sense of humor. He knew my sensibilities. He knew that we could get along at work and, and we could joke about stuff and it's not going to be this kind of awkward getting to know you kind of thing that if you would hire something new. You know, he knew he could right. push me a little bit more and I could push back and stuff like that. So, um, uh, hey, Keith, so just to put a pin in this for right now, um, you want to do this as a two-parter? Yeah. yeah. Or you want to continue? Sure. Well, the only reason was because I got to go. My son has a volleyball match right now at Wilson. Cool.
0: All right. So let's, uh, let's pause it now.